welcome to the Watch and Learn Show, where we talk about life lessons we learn from movies new and old, and we have a bit of fun along the way. And now, here's the host, Sky and Dusty. Hey, movie maniacs! My name is Sky, and I'm here with my brother Dusty. Dusty, you know I've got to thank you for getting Dad to record that brand new show intro we just heard. Man, I am super excited that he did it. We know, so he flew into town, and he's been here in Phoenix for about a week, which was really great. Came in for Thanksgiving, so we had a fantastic time together. And I thought, you know what? He's got a he's got a deep voice, and he, you know, yep. let me go ahead and have him record uh, record the intro. So yeah, I'm glad it worked out really well. Yeah, it did, man. I'm, I'm hoping the audience likes it as well, you know, hearing our dad actually speak. Absolutely. Knowing that he does exist. We are brothers. <laughs> yep, yep. Cool beans. So how was Thanksgiving over there in uh, Arizona? Oh, it was, it was normal, uh, beautiful weather. Just Arizona's fantastic in the mm-hmm. wintertime, and that's why everybody comes here during the winter. But um, yeah, we're doing fantastic, and we're actually going to be go- driving all the way to see you six hours. No, sorry. 600 miles, 10 hours to get to Fresno, California. That's uh, right. You're be- coming over here for the holidays. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a long drive, but oh, well, you know, it's, it's great to get over there, see you guys and everything, but we'll be there for two weeks and I'm able to travel this much, you know, for two weeks at a time. I went through four weeks through the East coast because I invest in rental properties and I don't need to work. So man, that's, it's just a blessing to be able to do that. For sure it is, man. Which was, uh, getting back to Thanksgiving real quick, which of all the dishes at the table, which was your favorite this year? By far, I love green bean casserole. I don't know why. It is just so good. I went back and got seconds or thirds on it. But then uh, my wife, uh, Melissa, she made this amazing apple pie. I mean, it was the top apple pie I've ever had. It was phenomenal. So uh, I was really, really, I had second helpings of that. That was amazing. But I was super stuffed. Now, how about you? Uh, my favorite dish was the uh, cheesy potato bake, which you know, you've had our cheesy potato bake before. I freaking love that. It's just, it's amazing. And then for dessert, eh, we didn't, we only got some store-bought, like a pumpkin pie and a cherry pie. Nothing big there. So it was the cheesy potato bake. Yeah, that cheesy potato bake that Denise makes, man, it's so good. There's like eight pounds of butter per square inch. There is. <laughs> yep. Oh, man, it's so this good. This year we fit 12 pounds of butter per square inch. Oh, good. Yeah, even we made better. it even better, baby. <laughs> Sweet. Now, what did you think of Knives Out? I did not watch any trailers, had no clue. I just thought it was like a murder mystery, somewhat like Clue, but not like a funny Clue um, or like Agatha Christie or something like that. So what were your thoughts going into the movie and then coming out? What are your thoughts? Yeah, going into the movie, I was hoping for a good experience. I do like murder mysteries, but I never seek them out. Like, I don't read books on them. I've watched a few movies. You just mentioned Clue. Last year, I watched Murder on the Orient Express. So I was hoping for, you know, a a fun, enjoyable time, a cool whodunit. Like, I would never be able to guess who did it by the end. I was hoping for. And I was really happy with the end result. Uh, I, I fully enjoyed the movie. Yeah, me too. As going through, I, I really enjoy murder mysteries. I really enjoy like uh, Murder on the Orient Express, um, Clue. I heard that they're going to come up with a new Clue, but I'm not sure if that's actually true. But I really enjoy these types of movies. And the, and it's really, really comes down to is the editing, in my opinion. Obviously, the storyline and everything, but we it comes down to the editing and how they tell the story. Um, I, that's I right. And the small things they show throughout that don't reveal the full story until the end. 
Yes, exactly. Like, oh, yeah, that's right. The dog barked and she actually said, oh, you're back again. You know, things like that. It's really, really fun. And I really like those movies and I wish they would do or they would have more. I don't know if it's just not a good money making movie, but I really enjoy this and these types of movies. Now, with this movie, I, I liked the movie, but as I was going through it, a pot and a thought came in my head. And remember, I'm not creative at all, so I'm not saying this is a good creative way of doing it. But I had a whole different plot for this whole entire thing. Did you come up with any other plots throughout the whole movie? No, I didn't. I want to hear yours though. Okay, so basically, we know Ransom is the one that did all this. He orchestrated it all and all that good stuff. We completely know at the very, very end. But it now everything else. I'm gonna say everything probably half of the movie would need to change in order for this to actually work out. But here is what I thought as I as we were going through this, I was thinking that the dad being or the the grandpa or the dad, the one that died, this committed suicide, he was so smart and he was good at writing um, uh, thrillers and, and murder mysteries and all. He's really good at writing and coming up with a whole bunch of plans and really thoughtful and methodical. I thought it would be really awesome if there was something else, a part of this entire thing that the dad needed to commit suicide himself in order for something else to come to light, in order to bring about something in the entire family to really shake them all up to change or arrest somebody or something. Like he realized the only way for this actually to come to fruition where the you know the bad guy gets his comeuppance is for me to actually orchestrate plan and do all of this stuff because he's he's been a writer before but do it all and then literally kill himself in the end i now i'm obviously it's a little uh i guess aggressive with him you know having to kill himself but as i was watching the movie i was thinking you know what that would have been a very very cool plot is that he orchestrated it all as opposed to the guy we don't see until the very last you know uh, third or uh, fourth of the movie so what are your thoughts yeah, I, that's a really cool idea. Like you said, maybe committing suicide at the end is a step too far. Maybe he fakes his own suicide to have something else come to light. But that's a really good idea. And as you were saying that, it, it made me think of a, kind of a little twist on it. He set everything up, but he faked his death at the end because he's stuck on a story element and he just can't figure it out. So he's using his own family to figure out the best <laughs> ending for his next book. <laughs> Wow, that would be pretty rough. Yeah, yeah that would, <laughs> a rough you. thing to do on the family, but uh, maybe maybe for him. I mean, uh, one of the things. I mean, what he is doing to his family, he's given them everything. Of course, some of them are self-made with his help initially and stuff, but he's done so much to kind of make them um, uh, feel entitled and not really go off and do their own things. That that maybe it could have been his own way of also opening their eyes to uh, to. I guess how entitled they are and how like spoiled brats they all are. Yes, absolutely. And you could tell each one of them are horrible. Um, I, I guess maybe one or two, like the, the grandkids, one or like the, I like can Meg, she was somewhat, you know, yeah. um, okay. Even though, you know, she's lying to, uh, can't remember her name. The, uh, the main girl, Marta. Marta, you know, lined her on the phone and things like that. But she was somewhat okay. But yeah, all, I mean, uh, it's so funny when it first starts. Um, yeah, I'm a self-made woman, just like my dad. Oh, you mean with the million dollars he gave you? <laughs> it's like, 
Yes, you're not self like stop saying you're self-made. Yep. You obviously had a help. I've shoot, do you know how many businesses I could start with a million dollars? Absolutely. I could start a lot of businesses and do very, very well with a million dollars. Absolutely you can. That's a nice little step up in the world uh, of business for sure. And actually, just about everybody, nobody is self-made. I mean, you like you for your own real estate business, you started learning from Robert Kiyosaki, you know, and <laughs> he helped you out on the way. He was your step up. He's your million dollars. Yeah, well, yes and no. Obviously, knowledge. Obviously, we learn yeah. from lots and lots of people. But actually, starting with money—that's a whole different, you know, ball game. Now you mm-hmm. can lose the money easily, but at the same time, um, yeah, you definitely. No, I don't think anybody is necessarily uh, other than like I don't know, maybe like Elon Musk. Musk. He's one that I'm thinking, dude. That guy is just blazing the trail for mm. everything. Gotcha. You know, people like that. But anyways, yeah. Long story short, and when I'm th- looking at the movie, I'm looking at those kids are absolutely horrible. Yeah, man, what did he do wrong? In order for those kids to turn out as crappy as they turned out to be. Yeah, I think it was just giving them too much, coddling them, maybe when they were young all the way through up until this day, you know, the day he died. Yeah, coddling, uh, yeah, yeah, they are, they're taking literally everything for granted, especially you have, um, oh crap, what was his name? Um, Anyway, the guy that did the publishing company, um, he... Yeah, Michael Basically, Shannon, uh, Walt, yeah, Walt was his name. Yeah, Walt, that's right. Walt Trombley. So he basically just ran – his dad gives him a book and then he publishes it. I mean, that's not hard at all. I've published four books myself and, you know, self-published four books. And so, um, yeah, but when you look at all of them, I think the dad really screwed up. And so yeah, I'm going to jump right into my money morning Monday morning quarterback oh. because, yeah, the big reason why is you wouldn't have all this drama – inside this uh, family if you raised the kids right. Number one, teaching them the value of money. Um, Number two, helping them not to be jerks. And number three, help them to care for each other and not just care for themselves. And so they were literally all horrible human beings. Literally not one of them I would ever associate with. Like if I just met them and I was like, oh, like your personality just like feels like it's punching me in the face. I'm going to be over here. Like you go, you go do whatever you're going to do. And so my Monday morning quarterback is absolutely the dad totally screwed up. Now what I do with my kids is I literally have them. Number one, they don't get allowance, you know, just for being alive. They don't get money. Um, number two, any money that they get from birthdays or Christmas or we hit, we homeschool. So whenever they fill, finish a book, uh, so they have like five books each semester. When they finish a book, they get $10. So all that money that they get, any, every bit of it, we have them break it up. So they don't like, let's say they get $10. If they get $10, they don't automatically just go get to spend $10. We break it up. So first 10%. We give it to God. So we give it to church. We give it to God. That's our charity. We give it away 10% because we know we need to give 10%. We instill that in them. Next, 50% of the whole, so $5, would go into savings. I literally have a savings account that I put in there for them, and they have to do it. And now they're watching the interest. Like, oh, we got 41 cents You know, this last <laughs> month. That's yeah. great. You know, for them, that's fantastic. Totally. The next thing, they get 20% that they get to put in their pocket to spend and buy whatever they want. The last 20% goes to mommy for responsibilities of the house. We need to pay for electricity, bed sheets, food. Like, we, they're responsibilities. We want them to know that you don't get to spend $10. It gets broken up. So that's what we do with our kids. But I think that dad absolutely screwed these kids up so bad. 
For sure, man. When all of them turn out the way they did, uh, you know that somebody, the, the head of the household was the one that, that messed that up for sure. I agree with you 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. So what is your Monday morning quarterback? Oh, man. Never admit guilt. Like, ransom at the end of the movie. He should have never admitted his guilt in the whole affair. He should have just let them arrest him. You know, always in a murder mystery. They're always solved because... Of course, the detective, whoever it is in this case, in this case, uh, Benoit Blanc, he knows what he's doing. He puts all the evidence together and he, and he tells a convincing, uh, logical story, right? But always you're found out because you admitted at the end, you know, there's never enough evidence to just flat out convict you. It's your, it's your admittal that does you in. So that's the Monday morning quarterback. He should just shut up, let them take him to jail and. Uh, hopefully lawyer up and then defend against it, you know? Yeah, and what it comes down to, I think it's a great point, is that ransom Ransom's arrogance, thinking, oh, you know, you, you, you got me on this, this is... Don't let your pride and your arrogance take the better of you and actually get you to say stupid things. So absolutely, it's like, he's going to try to prove I'm better than you and I'm going to get out and all that sort of stuff. As you're absolutely right. It's a great point. Yep, yeah. All right. Hey, one thing I want to mention... Um, Right at the start of the movie, it's, it's ugh, people have no shame nowadays. The lady right next to me. So when the movie started, there's like two full minutes of no sound, just quiet, like through credits and stuff. And she's there munching nachos the whole time. It's just, <laughs> if that were me, I wouldn't even eat popcorn when it's that quiet in the theater. No music, no speaking on the screen. And she was just munching away. She just didn't give a crap. I don't get it, man. People nowadays. So there's a thing called spatial awareness or my personal bubble you know that type of like physical presence but then also and not a lot of people have this it's the presence of mind that sound travels like maybe they never reached their hand in the cookie jar and their parents heard ran around around the corner and then actually found them doing it they realize oh sound travels and it actually might either get me in trouble or bother somebody so absolutely that is so irritating you know your physical bubble or even just audio it's like Dude, I'm literally right next to you, and you're, I'm hearing you. That is so obnoxious. Yeah, that's 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 yeah, rather irritating. It is. <laughs> but, you know, the good thing is I always bring my earplugs to the movie because, you know, I got hearing issues. Um, and then so Shove as soon tighter. as I put those earplugs in, I could not hear her nearly as much chomping on her nachos. You could still hear her even with the earplugs in? Well, she was directly next to me. Yeah. yeah. And she was chomping loudly on the nachos, yes. Wow. Yep, so I still heard them even with the so, earplugs in. Now, you that first two minutes, I literally did not see, or however many minutes. So this is what happened. Um, so I wanted to watch in the $5 theater. In fact, you know, I, I love saving money. And so I always go to the $5 Tuesdays. And the only time it's going to work out was at 3.30. But it was like uh, a month ago. I scheduled a time for my wife, Melissa, and I to go ballroom dancing and do a first class for ballroom dancing. And it was at 3 o'clock. And as I'm, you know, yesterday, I'm trying to figure, two days ago, trying to figure out what time I'm going to go. I'm like, crap, it's either 3.30, which is, you know, right in the middle of the ballroom dancing, or 6.30. Like, or before that, like at 11. I'm like, oh, man, those are like horrible times. And so me knowing that they have 25 minutes of trailers, I literally go, we, I, I buy the 3.30 one. We go do our ballroom dancing, have a lot of fun. We leave there like at 3.40, and it takes us maybe 10 minutes Five to ten minutes because it's not that far. Five to ten minutes drive to actually get in the theater. By the time we got there, the first thing I see is um, the interviewing that they're doing. And you have um, Jamie Lee Curtis is being interviewed. Did I miss much before that? 
I can't remember exactly the order. I think Jamie Lee Curtis, I think, was the first person being interviewed. So if you got there in the first round of seeing her, you didn't miss much. Got it. I I just really can't remember, you know, the details of the beginning uh, exactly. Yeah, sure. No. And so just like with the, remember the last movie, I woke up like 10 minutes into the movie and then I drove and I finally got there mm-hmm. and I missed, uh, it was Ford versus Ferrari. I missed the, um, you know, uh, what's his name? The main guy um, winning. Shelby. The, yeah, you go. But anyway, so this one, I was like, you know what? Still 25 minutes. We can make it. Yeah. And it worked out great. So it was a basically a Christmas present. Um, got I got, le- that was a free one for the dances. Then we've got four lessons and you get unlimited, you know, group classes. And so she is super, super excited about the, doing the ballroom dancing. And I'm like, oh, this is, oh, well, I, something I got to suffer through. Oh, well. <laughs> Yeah, I got you. I got you. Well, I mean, you can choose to have fun, though, right? Don't don't view it as a suffering thing. Absolutely. No, I yep. completely. No, I'm I'm going to make myself have fun. Absolutely. But if I, would I choose to do this? No. Yeah, absolutely not. I got you. But I want her to have fun, so that's why we're. I'm definitely doing. It. And she said, "Can we do it?" I said, "Absolutely. If you want to do it, let's do it." Yep. Yep. Cool, cool. Speaking of having fun, I, I I had a really good time at the at the beginning of the movie. So I was assuming that uh, Father Thromby, uh, gosh darn, what was his name? Harlan Thromby was actually murdered, right? I mean, uh, so so I, I'm looking at everybody on the screen. Everybody seems to have a pretty decent reason to murder him, right? And so I was pinning the murder on the various people. Oh, it, it could be Jamie Lee Curtis. It could be his son, Walt, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, midway through the movie, we're thrown for an awesome loop when we find out, um, you know, they subverted our expectations. We find out Walt was actually accidentally killed and then slid his own throat. And so it was really interesting getting to that point. And then I'm thinking to myself, wow, where are they going from here? What's Where's the murder mystery now, now that we know everything? You know, I saw, I thought it was a really smart way for them to approach the entire story. That's a great point, and I completely agree because we are thinking it's a murder. And then we see that, and it's like, oh, wow, and it throws you, which was a good plot twist. I really, really enjoy that. One thing I didn't like, though, is they, um, uh, Chris Evans, the ransom, he literally leaves... And you don't see him for half the movie. And so I'm like, man, he's got to be, especially when he drives up and the dogs are barking. I'm like, okay, there's, we know the dogs barked and we know this. He's only Right now, the dogs are only barking at him. This is like, it has to be him because anyways. So I didn't necessarily piece everything together, but I'm like, it's just showing us the way that they're telling the story that it has to be him. But that's how I got it. When did you come to the thought that Ransom was bad? Um... I don't remember when I got the idea probably around the same time hearing the dogs bark and seeing the dogs bark at them, you know, in general, in movies and stuff, when an animal is reacting negative negatively to the person, that person is bad, right? Terminator dogs bark at the Terminator. Um, Ace, Ace Ventura says animals can sense evil. You know, I mean, there's so <laughs> many things when the dogs are barking, at you know, he had something to do with it. You're right about that. Absolutely. And Another part that I was like, okay, this guy's absolutely bad. He wants something. He's not doing that. So the kindness of heart, when she's trying to leave, the car won't start. I'm like, huh, that's funny. Why is her car not starting? And then he pulls up and tries, you know, and, and says, come with me. It's like, dude, that's totally a bad guy move. Do you think he did something to her car? I would assume because it was driving, you know, like the next week or, or the next time they were driving to that, yeah. uh, you know, driving in her car and she got, they got pulled over and everything. But it was interesting at that scene where she's driving away, the cops are trying to, you know, flag her down. The, um, uh, Daniel Craig LeBlanc, he is trying to help 
her by saying, pick up your phone. I just want to talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not about you. We're after, we're after him. And so, yeah, it's really good. Now, I thought when Daniel Craig or uh, Benoit Blanc, when he was selected or, you know, given the pack of cash with that, you know, news clipping, with that, I thought it was from the very beginning the dad hired him. The, the, the one that died and killed himself. And this was before he actually committed suicide. You know, when I was actually piecing together the plot together and I had that train of thought thinking, you know, the dad's setting all this up. You know, he's the one that did it and all that sort of stuff. But that obviously went out the window. But that was really interesting. Why, I, I still don't understand why Ransom hired him. And it seems like it's just because he they wanted to piece it together that she was... Um, um, What's her name? Uh, Marta. That Marta was the one, and they want he wanted to help them out in that direction. But at the same time, I'm like, you're hiring a really good detective, dude. They might he might figure out that you're bad. I would not have hired him personally. Yeah, that's a good Monday morning quarterback. He was his own downfall right there. If he if they would if he would not have brought Benoit Blanc in, those two detectives, well, or the detective and the trooper, while they were smart and everything, they seemed they like they knew what they were doing, they would not have found out like it would have been ultimately ruled a suicide. The bad thing about that though is I guess she would inherit everything. So he had to do something to stop that from happening. So I guess maybe in his mind, that was his only, uh, his last remaining option. Yeah, because we see that the cops easily ruled it a suicide. And they, if the toxicology report didn't come back because he slit his own throat, you know, um, toxicology report came back and it did have that. It would be like, you know, what does it matter? You know, it's like he did commit suicide and the it's open and shut case for the police. And so, yeah, I could see why he would want to hire somebody. But at the same time, why would he not just go get the toxicology report and say, hey, look at this. Maybe she slit his throat and, you know, bring up the question that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's another option right there. But then we wouldn't have had a fun movie. Yeah, we would. Yeah. <laughs> I thought the acting in this was really, really good. I thought everything was great. I thought I've never seen Marta. Um, the, Anna uh, de Armas, you haven't? Have I? Uh, I don't know. Maybe she was in a Keanu Reeves movie a long time ago where she seduced him. She was in um, Blade Runner 2049. She was in a, a movie with Miles Teller where he was a gun runner. Um, like, I've seen her in quite a few movies. Yeah. I guess not. Yeah. But I do see that Daniel Craig is coming out in 2020 with No Time to Die. That's 007, right. And it looks like she's going to be in it. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Sweet. Well, it, yeah. Her name's Paloma in, in that movie. So obviously. I Daniel guess she's Craig, the Bond girl. I Maybe. Yeah. But with a name like Paloma, you know, <laughs> you, you would assume, um, you know, yeah, you would assume a Bond girl right there. She's not just like some uh, 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 secretary in the 007 offices, you know, like Martha. Yeah, <laughs> that's not going to be a Bond girl named Martha. No, there isn't. Paloma's a little bit more sexy, you know. Definitely, yeah. So, oh, you know, but speaking of her, I really liked her whole regurgitation, regurgitating reaction, um, and that was a really cool, interesting element of the story. And it kind of made a cat and mouse thing, like between her and um, uh, Benoit Blanc, and also the other scenes with her and. Um, uh, Ransom, you know, where he's using it to get the information out of her. I thought that was a fun element. I, I at first I was like, that is just a weird 
weird thing to have in the movie because I've literally never heard, never heard of anybody have that. But at the same time, it's like, why don't you just literally ask her every single question and lock her in a room until she throws up or answers the right right way um, and really keep digging. But at the same time, the very, very end where she throws up on Ransom, that's when it's like, okay, that paid off. That's, that's why. What, yeah, you're right. There's the payoff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Um, you know what else I liked? I really liked Trooper Wagner. He, he had a love of murder mysteries, and it was perfect. At the end, when he shushed uh, that lieutenant, when Benoit Blanc was like in the middle of his big reveal, you know, he started asking a question, and then Trooper goes, shh, quiet, 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 because he's on a roll. We don't want to stop him, you know? It was awesome. A really good use of that character. I agree. I agree. Yeah, he's a big fan. So let's get into the lessons. What is your first lesson? Oh, uh, uh, oh, oh. The first lesson is that there's always a lesson to learn. And Harlan, uh, you know, he thought he was poisoned. He thought he was dying. But then he thought, oh, this is a great murder mystery plot thing. So he started to take note of it. You know, it's awesome. No matter what's going on, you can learn a lesson from anything. Yeah, I like that. And I can also learn a lesson from anyone. I I don't care, you know, if they're a street sweeper or the president. Uh, I can learn lessons from anybody. And so that's a great, great point. For sure. Um, my first lesson is if you're, <laughs> I, I, I don't know the best way to say it, but I, I'll, I'll basically give you this, the scene was when they were hiking, not hiking, but like walking through the grounds and you have Marta leading everything and she sees the, the mud footprints and she's like, oh no, those are mine. And she literally goes and just, you know, ruins everything and then comes back. What? What? I can't hear you. I, I love that. And the, Basically, the lesson is you need to be perceptive. Just like you have um, Blanc, he is very, very perceptive. You need to be perceptive yourself and be able to see, not say, you know, you're, you screwed up and you killed somebody and, or blah, 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 you know, with, with Marta, but just in general. You want to be perceptive. You want to be able to piece things together. You want to be able to figure things out. And same thing with uh, Blanc. He is able to be very perceptive and piece things together as opposed to just dismissing something. And one thing I remind, not to say remind, but like all of these types of movies where you think that um, there's murder mystery or some sort of mystery, I love in Batman, the last one. Is it Batman? For, not forever. Which one's the last one? The third the, Christian Bale one? Yes. What was that called? Batman the Dark Knight or Bat Yeah, whatever it maybe. was. Yeah. Okay, the third one. So you have you have Bane and everything. Uh, Bane was a fun character, but what I really liked was everything Bane said, but the the writing in general was really really good and and like the the one-liners everything was said, but there was one thing that Robin said or no, it was uh Commissioner Gordon said to Robin and Robin repeated was that in my line of work there are no coincidences. And it's easy for us to it being perceptive, we just like, oh, just chalk it up to a coincidence. But you're not allowed to believe in coincidence in that type of work. Just like when you have the mom or the great-great-grandma, like the, the old lady, say, Ransom came back again. It's like, oh, just coincidence. Like she just like, allude to he she just was being old and say something that she shouldn't have said. No, it's actually literally he came back twice or he was there once. And then she did it. So she, anyways, all that to say, you need to believe or know that there are no such thing as a coincidences when you're being perceptive. Yeah, that's a great point, man. And Benoit Blanc, uh, he exemplifies that perfectly. And I also like one thing that he said 
I can't somewhere in the beginning or something, he was explaining to somebody his uh I guess process, right? And he goes into a situation without any idea, without any preconceived, oh, I bet it's the son, I bet it's the daughter. He doesn't go into that at all. He just goes in, observes everything, looks at all the information, lets the pieces fall where they may. Like he said something along the lines of a um gravity rainbow, like let things fall, and then he puts the pieces together, sees the puzzle. Um, and then, uh, you know, comes to a conclusion and that was perfect too. his, his observations, like you said, are what helps him solve the problems. I agree. I completely agree. Oh, and I really like his whole donut thing. There's a donut in the hole in the middle. And then at the very end, he goes, there's a donut and there's, there's a hole, but that donut hole is actually a donut (laughs) itself with its own hole in the middle. (laughs) It was so good. And and that just reminded me like this movie, if, if we think back to two other murder mysteries that we mentioned, Clue was a really good movie, really good plot with a ton of comedy. Murder on the Orient Express was a really good movie, really good plot, but very little comedy. I think this one nailed it perfectly. Really subtle comedy, but it hit right at the right times to keep you interested, keep you laughing. Uh, and I just really appreciated that. Yes, I I completely agree. I thought that was, in general, like the whole story was rather enjoyable, was rather fun. I really, really liked it. Yep, good, good. So uh, my second lesson is nobody responds well to ultimatums. So Harlan told Richard or Don Johnson's character to tell his wife about the affair, right? Or else Harlan would tell him. For a lot of people, that's good enough motive for murder right there. Like the daughter herself owns a multi-million dollar company. There's probably a prenuptial signed. If she finds out you're having an affair, you're getting a divorce and you have nothing. So that is reason enough to kill Harlan right there. So just, but overall, nobody responds well to ultimatums. No, man. No, absolutely not. So um, a lesson that is not one that I picked, but here's a lesson going off of that. Don't cheat on your wife. (laughs) There too, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Make it simple. Now, I did like at the end, you have Jamie Lee DeCurris' character obviously finding out that he was, you know, sleeping. Or, oh, you know, that was a, a great reveal, huh? Very, very cool. You think everything's done, everything's already, you know, you know, passed and everything, and then she reads the letter, looks at him, he's like, uh-oh. And then the next thing you see him, he has a black eye. <laughs> I was like, that's yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> so good, and you have to put the pieces together. Where did that come from? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So my next lesson is never meet a guy one-on-one if they are potentially a killer Especially if you're a woman, you know, when she, the, the maid does that, like, how, how is that a smart idea? Go to the authorities, like, meet him one on one in the, <laughs> that's just, oh, don't come near me, don't come near me. Oh, that's really going to stop me? I've already killed one person? Yes, that's really, so that is absolutely, don't meet one on one. Just like, um, I love, there's a Geico commercial that is, basically making fun of scary movies and how stupid the people are that die. They're like, oh, and they're, they're like, there's a bad guy with a machete walking around with a mask on and there's like four co-eds, uh, college co-eds that are running around and they're like, hey, why don't we jump in that car and literally drive away? No, that's dumb. Let's hide in that shed full of knives and axes and <laughs> things like that. And so <laughs> yep. absolutely, you don't do things that put yourself in harm's way. For sure, for sure. I love that. Uh, My last lesson is don't talk politics at a party. Just in general, man, you had all these people believing in different things. They just start yelling and everybody gets on each other's nerves. And that's a life lesson for you as well, Dust, because you, when we get together with our families and dad, you and dad end up talking politics. And (laughs) oh, man, I just hate that part. I I, I often step away and I start doing dishes or something so I don't have to talk about it. (laughs) 
<laughs> I know you do. Because dad is, um, he said this over and over again because it was, dad started talking politics to other people at the, at the party. And he started saying things like, you are all brainwashed. You're all brainwashed. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean, Dad? Like, do you know what that means? So, yeah, you're brainwashed. You learn from this, you learn from this, and that means you're brainwashed. I'm like, well, that means you're brainwashed too, Daddy's all. Oh, I guess you're right. <laughs> so it means it's just, yeah. So, anyways, it's fun. <laughs> and Dad, like, he, he thinks logically until he doesn't. And then he doesn't think logically at all. And so, yeah. it's just, it's, uh, we have fun. Yeah, we but, do. Yeah, we I know do. what you mean. So, for Christmas, I'll take that as a lesson. <laughs> yep. No, I'll get in with him when he and I are alone, one on one, and have fun. Because he and I enjoy it. It's fun. But yeah. I don't think anybody else listening actually likes it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> That's the way me and Denise both feel that way about it. <laughs> Yep, yep. Cool. So what is your final lesson? So I think I gave two in one as I'm looking back. Number one was be perspective or oh. perceptive. You know, when you're when you're doing anything, always be perceptive. But then there are no such thing as coincidences. So that's really the, the third one is there are no such thing as coincidences in general. I mean, we chalk I I personally know that I chalk up so many things to coincidence and I really, really shouldn't. So if I'm gonna piece all those together and be like Blanc. I need to not believe in coincidences at all. And there are so many times that I, I know I wouldn't say that I'm gullible. I, although I can be at times because I dismiss things, even though it's like, you know, my brain's telling me, Hey, this is not right. Or this isn't it. I'm like, eh, it's a coincidence or, eh, it's not that big of a deal or it doesn't mean anything. I need to be like Blanc and have no coincidences and, and, um, not have any preconceived notions and, and just really try to be as perceptive as possible. Nice, man. I like that. That's a good life lesson for anybody for sure. Um, let's see. Oh, I got to ask you. I don't know if you paid attention. Uh, do you know who wrote and directed this movie? Oh, I saw it, but the name did not ring a bell. Ryan Johnson. Now, who's that? He, he's the guy who directed one of your least favorite movies ever, the last Star Wars one, The Last Jedi. He directed it? Yes. He wrote oh. and directed this one. See, I think there's something about Ryan Johnson. He seems to really like subverting audiences' expectations and surprising them with things. And a murder mystery is the perfect place to do that. I think he's a good storyteller, but I think the way he wanted or the story he wanted to tell with that prior Star Wars movie, um, I think that's why it was such a crappy movie, right? Star Wars fans, they don't want their expectations subverted. They don't want to see um, Luke Skywalker drinking green milk from a tit. They don't want to see him throwing <laughs> his um, lightsaber away. You know, they don't want to see all of a sudden Princess Leia never having magical powers, suddenly waking up in space, magically flying back into the ship and not dying in the vacuum of space, you know? Star Wars audiences, they want their expectations met and exceeded. They don't want them subverted. So uh, I think this kind of movie is Ryan Johnson's style of movie. I love that point. That is fantastic. And another subversion is, in, I'm talking about the Star Wars Last Jedi. <laughs> I'm talking about that crappy movie yeah. where there's actually gravity in space. Like, how does it gravity ever work in space? You remember where there's the bombers and they yeah, have the pulling bombs, the bombs down, yeah, and the bombs drop like there's gravity, like that's literally defying logic. Mm -hmm, and I'm like, mm -hmm. this is stupid. So yep. that brings up the next point: Is he directing the next or writing and directing the next Star Wars? No, he isn't. They pulled him off of it, and I believe it's J.J. Abrams. So I'm hoping it'll be a much better movie, or I'm expecting it to be much better movie. So isn't that one coming out anytime soon? Yeah, this coming Friday. Oh, is it really? Yeah. 
But I figured you wouldn't want to watch it because you hated the last one so much. Yeah. Well, before we get into any more, um, I, yeah, it, I mean, it. I think George Lucas is off his game. I mean, he just sucks now. The, I don't these, know that he takes a part in it anymore. Uh, oh, maybe not. So, anyways, um, we can get into that maybe because it looks like um, Ryan is not a part. I'm looking it up on IMDb. So, a part of Star Wars, it's literally he's not a part of it. It doesn't look like it. J.J. Um, Abrams is directing it, which is good. So, yeah, I, you know what? I'm willing to give it a chance because I like J.J. Abrams. I think he's he's pretty good in the majority of stuff that he does. So, I'd be okay with watching. But anyways, getting, finishing off with um, Knives Out... Um, what is your prop that you would like to have? Dude, there's only one. That crazy knife display. Exactly. Yeah. There's no other. <laughs> Truly, <laughs> there no is prop. no other. I mean, no, nothing even worth mentioning. Yeah, same here. And so that was the same thing I thought. The only other tiny thought was getting something not as grandiose or gargantuan. It would be just the one knife, the, the breakaway knife. That would be the only one. That oh, the one be... at the end that he tried to kill Marta with? Correct. Yeah. Yes. That would oh, be... you know, I really like that scene, and but I saw it coming. As soon as he picked up the knife, in my mind, I flashed back to yep. Harlan mentioning, you don't know if a knife is real or a prop knife. I knew that was going to be a prop when that happened. But I'm wondering if a lot of the audience like failed to pick up on that, and they were surprised when she lived, you know? So here's what's rather silly. And I completely agree with you on that. Um, as soon as he grabbed it, I was like, she's not going to die. And I thought, stupid cops. Like, they're not even ready for this. Stupid cops. You know, like, you should literally, as soon as he, like, yeah. Uh, they should they have should been have right been. next to him. So as soon as his arm reached out, bam, grab him. Or literally your gun, like your gun is right in your hand and bam, 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 bam. Well, that too, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he would literally be down. And from what it looks like, he was... Um, Ransom was probably about a good three to four feet away. And as soon as he reaches for it, you could easily, not say easily, you can draw in. Usually, if you're really good and you're a police officer, you should be practicing. It should be like one second, one full entire second to reach, grab, draw, and then fire. And they practice that a lot. And, you know, the drawing and firing within one second after, as soon as you see him grab for that knife, that would take literally a second for him to reach his arm up grab that knife and then come forward you should easily boom 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 anyways for sure i'm that's me just watching the movie now in the in real life it's probably like oh what but you're literally catching the bad guy you should be thinking he might do something bad let me be ready for that yeah be prepared boy scouts motto Man, yeah. So, oh, I went down the rabbit hole of talking about the police officers. There was something else I was going to say, um, probably about the breakaway knife. I can't remember exactly what it was. Oh, yes, I know exactly. I watched the trailer right before we started recording just now. And I watched the trailer. And there's, I wouldn't say there's a ton of spoilers in there. But there are some spoilers where I'm seeing where it looks like one of the main scenes is where it looks like Marta's being attacked. It's yeah. like, man, like... She, she, uh, yeah, there's so many things in it. It's like, you're just giving away way too much, in my opinion. Yeah, that, and then also in that trailer, they showed the maid with looking dead with a spider on her eye. Yes. That's a bit too, so those two things stood out to me. Um, but if you had seen this trailer, I don't know, four months ago, it's it's probably pretty easy to forget those things, you know? Hopefully, yeah. at least. Well, definitely not the maid with the spider on her face. That's a... That's a, something that's a little too... But she was also, as far as I know, she's a an actress who I've never seen before. So mm. it might be a little easier to forget that. When Whereas when you see Ana de Armas reacting like something's attacking her, I would remember that more because I know yeah. her as an actress. 
Yeah, so uh, what grade would you give this movie? Uh, I give it an A. I would recommend anybody to go see it. It's got really good humor, a perfect murder mystery story, even though some elements are illogical, things that people wouldn't normally do. But, I mean, you've got to have that for a murder mystery. I'm down with it. I recommend everybody to see this movie. I give this one a B+. Mm. I think it's it's very good. I definitely recommend it. So anything in a B and an A... A B to an A is definitely recommendable. We, you and I try to stay away from C's because it's easy just to throw C's out. But I think it's a B plus, which is definitely watchable. I also don't give it an A because the rewatchable factor, it was fun, but maybe I might watch it in like 10 years from now. We're like, yeah. Like the or- Murder on the Orient-, Orient Express or Clue is just funny. So you could watch that over and over again. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's so much more watchable. But between Murder on the Orient, Knives Out, and you have um, a clue. Which one and at what order would you put these ones in? Uh oh, well, knives out would be number one, clue number two, murder on the Orient Express number three. Oh wow. Yeah. Knives what about out you? number one before clue. Yep. Huh. That's not me. So clue is definitely number one for me. I I mean it's just it's it's like up there. Maybe you can't beat that one, um, in my opinion. Then I would say I personally liked Knives Out more than the Murder on the Orient Express, but Murder on the Orient Express was really fun. That was a really mm-hmm. enjoyable movie to watch. I even watched the the original one as well. Oh. That one was pretty good too. Cool. Yeah. Good, good. Hey, one last thing. I really liked how they ended the movie with the whole family out there looking up at her and she was on the deck with that cup of coffee and it, you know, you could read my house on it. I just really like how in the end they clued us in. That's her ultimate decision. Like earlier, like she was downstairs looking at a picture of Harlan and you know that she's going to do what he wanted. He wanted his family cut off. So she's going to do what he wanted. Sure. It benefits her totally. But She's still being a compassionate person, and this person that she got to know that she really loved and respected, um, she's going through with his wishes. So I like how they ended it that way. I absolutely agree with that. And I have the same exact perspective. No matter what I might want, if anybody passes, I now want whatever they wanted. If they didn't want me to have something or to have something, that's what I want. Because same thing, I just look at myself. When I die, I don't want somebody trying to take over. No, I want what I want. You do exactly how I and what I wanted and how I wanted to be done. And so I kind of put myself in that position. And so, yeah, absolutely. Uh, everything like when our, you know, our mom and stepdad passed away, it's like literally whatever they wanted, whatever is in the will, you know, whatever we have set up, um, we just will do exactly the way that it was, uh, that they wanted. For sure. That's the way to go. And it, and hopefully, well, not hopefully, but with that kind of attitude, you're going to avoid um, any hard feelings or potential conflicts. Well, f- on your perspective, you're going to avoid somebody might be mad at you for what happened, but so be it. You can't control their reaction to it, you know? Yeah. And on top of that, the, the family, like they thought that the kids thought that they deserved it. That's yes. their birthright. No, 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 no. You don't deserve a thing. Mm-hmm. You don't. I mean, just because you're born in that family doesn't mean, no, you deserve whatever he gives you. And he gave you junk or, you know, squat. So you don't get a thing. And so they're absolutely entitled. They're brats. I mean, they're just they're horrible people. But like Jamie Lee Curtis, her character, she's like, I got my own million dollar company. What's, you know, of course it's a bummer. I don't know. But she's just, a you know, they're all bad people in general. So, yeah, all that to say, I think that it was a fun movie to watch. My wife and I actually really, really enjoyed it. 
Good. I'm glad. And I, I purposely did not tell my wife anything because I went to go see this by myself. I didn't tell her anything about it so that uh, when it comes out on the red box, I can rent it. And so she won't be spoiled for it, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Cool beans. So, um, Dust, I think that was really fun movie. Had a good discussion with you about it. But next week, we're going to learn from something new. So what are we learning from next week? I think it's your choice. It is. And I'm uh, I'm very hesitant very, very hesitant. This is why I paused what we were talking about originally, um, like, like you know, two minutes ago. Star Trek is coming out. Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> new Star, Star Wars. There you go. The new Star Wars is coming out because it's J.J. Abrams, and hopefully they learned their lesson of how stupid Disney is getting um, and re- allowing just crap to go through. I'm hoping they learned their lesson. If... This next Star Wars sucks. I am literally boycotting every single Star Wars movie from this point forward. I'll give it one more shot with J.J. Abrams coming in. So what are your thoughts about watching Star Wars? I'm down with it. I was going to go see it no matter what, even if we wouldn't cover it for the podcast. uh, Because I'm kind of a completionist. So this is episode nine, you know, and it kind of is supposed to be, uh, I shouldn't say supposed to be good. I'm hoping it'll be good, just like you said, because J.J. Abrams is in it. So or dealing with it. Wait, what do you mean completionist? Like, is this the last last one? Well, no, I've watched eight out of nine. How can I not watch number nine out of nine? Got it. (laughs) Got it. Now, if this one sucks, like it's probably going to. What are your thoughts? You're going to just keep watching it and keep throwing good money after bad, a good time after bad? No. uh, uh, Who knows? Who knows? (laughs) What if in the future, what if in the future you get uh, Robert Downey Jr. coming in for part 10 as a new Jedi guy, a a new Jedi master, and then you get... um, I don't know. I don't know. Just other big actors and stuff. I, I might have to go back to it. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. We'll see. I I said I wasn't going to watch this one, but just because it's J.J. Abrams, I'm like, you know, what? I'll give them a shot. We'll see if they learn their lesson. But if they throw in like this, uh, just junk like they did in the last one, I'm 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 done. For sure. I'm down with that idea. Uh, well, everybody, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And of course, you know how we feel about Knives Out. We want to hear your thoughts. So go to the show notes page, watchandlearnpodcast.com slash pod 77 and leave a comment. Alrighty then, my name is Sky, And I'm Dusty. And we will return next week with Star Wars, the ninth episode. (laughs) Cool beans.